I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 The Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Tom, the man, myth, and legend, at least in his own mind, Bionic. And it's great to be with you, all three of you, here at Future Quake mm-hmm. this week. They're all here. As well as Pyro 2, they're yeah, in your silent lap. Silent partner. And I want to say it's great to be with all of our great Futurians out there. And there are millions of great Futurians out there that we all love. Y'all all take good care of us, and we're all mm-hmm. kindred spirits, even though sometimes we're all spread out in a million different places yeah. and uh, isolated from each other. But we all meet here at the same time. Everybody says they look forward to each week when we pop up and all commiserate together and talk about stuff that none mm-hmm. of our other friends and people want to hear about. And a bunch of crazy people get together yep. and talk about stuff. And so if you're, crazy, if you're crazy like us, we're glad to have you back this week to Future Quake. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Bionic, yes. what's going on in your world? Uh, all sorts of interesting stuff. Uh, I want to send a quick double-plus good thank you to uh, uh, Chris and Karen, uh, who have blessed me beyond beyond words. Uh, mm-hmm. I won't go into the details, but they're pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, other than that, you know, just kind of doing and my that's thing. That's just for them to know so they can get their treasure in heaven for mm-hmm. what they've done. They They definitely need some treasure. And you can testify that the Lord meets needs in ways we didn't expect. Indeed. Yeah. It was pretty radical. Which is sort of a bummer for all of us when we get feeling really down about stuff. You know what's funny is I was just talking with <clears throat> I was just talking with a good friend of mine who actually a week before his computer blew out, yeah. somebody emailed him and said, Hey, you know, I, I just wondered if you needed a computer. And it was like a really, really nice computer. Yeah. You know, several, several thousand dollar computer. Really? Extremely, extremely nice. And he said, no, this one's working fine. And and then his computer died. And then he emailed him back and he said, oh, yeah, we have it here in the box. Figured you'd need it. And um, so they sent him this awesome computer. Wow. So in that case, the Lord was actually sort of meeting his need before it came about. Wow. That's it. It's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. But I think the real model from this is I have the wrong friends because nobody's no. offered me anything quite like that. You know? Yeah. Well, it's just that the Lord has met your needs in different ways. Yeah. Like bringing you here. Right? Yeah. That's right. I don't know if I would be, I would, like, the only need that I would be meeting is like, you know, like now there's a defined time, you know. You know. Somebody to make me laugh and make me think, refute me when I need it. You know, kick your we knee all, when you're falling asleep. We all my we all need that, yeah. you know, because we can, I know the Futurians are out there when I'm saying stuff completely wrong, and they're saying, "Come on, Bionic, correct him." Yeah, set the record straight, please. So you serve that useful function. Yep. Uh, anything else on your mind? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff on my mind, you know. But you're going through major transitions yeah, right now. Yeah, major. I would I would actually love if everybody would pray for uh, an accountancy job. I've decided to enter the the career world here. Mm-hmm. But if that's not the Lord's will, yeah. you know, that's cool, too. And yeah. uh, just doing a lot of different stuff, a lot of everything's good, you know. I really feel mm-hmm. like this is all like an anointed sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Um, you know, most people, most people, when this much of like catastrophic change came on, they'd be like freaked mm-hmm. out. But I'm like, hallelujah, bring mm-hmm. some more on. Well, I'm not like bring some more on, but, I know. you know. 
But you got some digs you're living at now that are going to be more convenient Sweet. here. Yep. Uh, in this area, so mm-hmm. there's going to be some positive things here. Mm-hmm. And uh, who knows what the Lord's going to do. Yep. But you know, that prayer for accountancy is such a, a popular prayer. I know, I don't know how many youth group r- retreats have had those Lord, cumulative make all prayers. of these people accountants. Yeah, yeah, such a yeah. common common prayer yeah. you know, that we hear. I think I saw a greeting card in the drugstore that had that on it. You know. Well, I mean, here's the deal. You know, my problem, it seems to be at this point, is that it's like lack of... Uh, lack of finances to make different ministry things happen, ideas I have in my head. Yeah. And, uh, you know, getting a, getting a career job would provide that accountancy sort of, yeah. uh, you know, some cash flow. I'm not, know. I'm not worried about you blowing it on riotous living. I think that's the last thing that would happen. Yeah, maybe, maybe like some extra dessert at dinner or something, but that's about <laughs> it. Pan some cheese on that hamburger. Yeah. Yeah. Two slices instead of one and bacon. Yeah. Well, let me let me get on enough of our idle chit-chat here that people have endured. Let's get on to some announcements, and we'll get on to some Word stories. Up. The last few weeks, we haven't had as much okay. to cover. Or are we droned on for forever? Uh, I just uh, wanted to mention that uh, uh, Brother Rich out there in Michigan did something really cool. He uh, had donated a gift card to our ministry. Oh, sweet. And we get to go eat at Outback or something? Well, it wasn't that kind of thing. It was like, you know, something you'd like, pizza kind of thing. Oh. And so um, it took a while for me to figure out how to use it. It wasn't working. But what it did was got a bunch of new stuff from the Crescent Project. Some Great. stuff we'll be talking about. Some books and some stuff that we'll be using here. Mm-hmm. And even a pack of some materials about uh, you can trust the NGL or the New Testament for Muslims. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some material that can outreach to Muslims, including the Jesus movie mm-hmm. and stuff, and looking for some opportunities to go into some places. Maybe you and your friends know, Tom, where we can go get this to some folk. That'd be cool. You know, I think we do. And, you know, I don't just love Muslims. I love I love Maho- uh, Mormons and Jehovah's Witness and mm-hmm. anybody else out there, too. Mm-hmm. Pagans. Uh, yeah. So we want to reach all of them. We don't want to ignore anybody. But I wanted to thank him for that. And also um, wanted to uh, thank uh, Damien, who had ordered one of our book sets that mm-hmm. are still available, uh, with Lies of Governments Told You by Andrew Napolitano mm-hmm. and uh, The New World Order and the Eugenics Wars by Andrew Hoffman, our friend, Yes, which really covers 95% of what we talk about on the Future Quake show. And there's a two-book set. If you go to the front of futurequake.com, you can order them there. Have a special artwork, Future Quake only sleeve that goes over it. That's something sort of unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, appreciate him for that. And uh, uh, Brother Adam, our listener, ordered one of the old books, uh, Frightening, uh, How to Overcome the Most Frightening Issues You'll Face This Century. We haven't That's had many it. orders lately because it's been out for a while. Uh, in fact, I had to order some more today. Uh, but he'll be getting that before too long. So I want to thank you all. And then I have two announcements. Okay. okay. One is, I think I can now officially say that uh, Future Quake South Africa is now av- starting to become available. Dun, 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 and in fact, dun. I went to their website. If you want to go to it, you can, uh, uh, Brother Tom, while well, you're there. It's uh, fqsouthafrica.co.za. FQ South Africa. Okay, he's typing it up as you can dot hear. C A C O dot dot C O dot C Z A Z is A. Z A. Uh huh. Okay. You should it should have a really classy looking website. What the? And you can look under there and see uh, like past shows. You can click on all sorts of things. Just it's really cool looking. They're just getting it set up. Yeah. It's just coming about. D Dutch Malaprop. Yeah. 
Don't you hate shows where people have silly names? Uh, I can't. I can't even listen to them. I know. Um, but uh, the first few shows are being uploaded right now. They called yeah. them pre-shows because they were just sort of getting their sea legs about them. Sweet. But they're awesome. I mean, out of the gate, they're already hundred times better than us. They're very intriguing to listen to. Yeah. Uh, both host on the on the show. Oh, look at that! They've got verse by verse with Mike and Chris. That's yeah. far out, man. Yeah, yeah, they don't have complete discernment yet. Some yeah. of that stuff falls through the net there. But anyway, I want our listeners to check that out. And in fact, uh, I don't know if they have their email address on there, but if you want to find out more about them, you can just email them at mail, M-A-I-L, at fqsouthafrica.co.za. You know, we're pretty big in South Africa because I got a I got an email from a guy, uh, like a Facebook message mm-hmm. from, a, from a listener in South Africa. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, I just he just wanted to come in and comment. In fact, I've gotten two from from that from people that we don't yeah we don't normally you know that are not part of this radio, the Future Quake South Africa. Yeah, you'll hear them talk about our show, Pit Radio, talking about it in their own cultural context. They're a lot more intelligent than you and I, mm-hmm. uh, but they'll talk about uh, a little bit of all that kind of stuff. Even Johnny the Longshoreman comes up occasionally, uh, which makes it complete. Yeah. Why would you put the like, what was it, gravy on biscuits? Yeah, well, this I don't want to spoil one of the shows. This, well, is, this is what makes it this fun. Is, no, this is what you call a, a teaser. Why would you put gravy on biscuits? They they discuss that. Well, yeah, well, we don't want to, you know, there's some cultural differences there. When I, I put a charge out to them for them to talk about something that we have to figure out on Future Quake what they're talking about. You know, there you go. something that, like, for example, you're, you'll learn that they call streetlights robots. Mm-hmm. Traffic lights, excuse me. Traffic lights are robots. So you know, robots. So we're all okay. going to be a lot smarter after we listen to these international shows. So if you're out somewhere in the remote, you know, Nate there in Japan, or uh, our friends on the different continents that talk to us right now, uh-huh. uh, we've got a friend in the Philippines. I know a little bit everywhere. You all need to start your own Future Quake version. Yeah. So we can get Wouldn't, didn't we recently talk to some guy who was in, uh, or maybe emailed the Future Quake thing who was actually in Jerusalem or whatever? I'm trying to remember. Maybe, no, maybe. Maybe he was raised. He was raised in. Yes, he, I believe you're right. Yeah, he was raised in Tarsus. But we we just got an email from uh, a friend of ours uh, in Central America. We've been praying for mm-hmm. uh, that listens to the show. So anyway, maybe this will start a trend. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, that's if cool. If you want to start some uh, future quake versions. So uh, anyway, uh, come back to me, Tom. Get turn away from the light here. No, just this is cool, man. Quake. Look at these guys. Look, this, guys. Looks like I've lost cool. Tom here. But anyway, check it out. FQSouthAfrica.co.za. Uh, I think they've got probably five or six shows in the can already, but they've just got the first one or two uploaded already. So mm-hmm. check them out. That's it. Got another request, and I think I'm okay to say this. Okay, I'm not going to read this whole email, but it's one recently because I've got a request to make. This is from Brother Matt. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I didn't quite hear back from Matt, but I think I'm okay to share this. He says, "Your friend from Future Congress." He says, Dr. Future, hello and God bless you. I really enjoyed getting the chance to meet you and Tom Bionic at Future Congress. I was the guy that uses the electric wheelchair. Hopefully I didn't run over your toes due to a spinal cord injury I had in 2002. I feel so blessed that I was able to go. I really enjoy your show and admire your hard work for the Lord. I feel your show has been a real blessing to me as I further my walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. You know, he's a guy who's had this terrible tragedy happen to him. You know, Hmm. terrible thing happened. Does it sound like he's dwelling on it? No. 
He's, he's While rolling. you and I are dwelling on our petty problems. Oh, I know. It's so and ridiculous. And our issues yeah. we're dealing with. Food's in the fridge. I've got a great place to live. Yeah. What's the problem? He's worried about his walk with the Lord. Uh, here's the other thing. You know, in you remember meeting him? You know, in the wheelchair. Just really briefly. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 it was chaos there, so yeah. we didn't get time to talk with him way too long. He said, Here, here's the things that are his big problems to deal with, okay? Well, you and I have ours. He says, I had a great time with future Congress, and I hope you did also. Please pray for me that I may get rid of all my flesh and worldliness so that I may more diligently pick up my cross and follow Yeshua. Hmm. Okay. So, you know, that's only that's what he's concerned about doing. I'm concerned about, you know, whether I'm comfortable or not, you know, mm-hmm. or whether people make me happy. Um, How come nobody's around to rub my feet right now? Right, Uh. right. And he's worried about that he can, you know, conquer his flesh. Yeah. I haven't really, uh, he says, I've really been inspired by you guys and the work you're doing, and I would like to get active in my area uh, with working with the homeless, disabled, and elderly and spreading the gospel. Awesome. So, uh, Matt, that means you're not going to use your wheelchair as an excuse to blame God and to stay on the sidelines. I get the feeling like this, this this whole life is all about attitude, Christian life. A lot you know? of it is, yeah. I mean... I would like to think it's about Jesus, too, but attitude figures in there. Well, somewhere. you know what I'm saying? I mean, doing yeah, the Christian life... Yeah, I know. Life, I'm giving you a totally hard time. Because, you know, with what he has to deal with, and, and we have other disabled listeners in our show, you could spend your whole time just getting frustrated with how much more difficult day-to-day life is. Mm-hmm. But this is what he's worried about, getting out there and helping other people. You know, that are have, mm-hmm. maybe even having less problems than he's having, mm-hmm. but focusing on their problems. Um, but here, here's the reason, another reason why I'm reading this. Mm-hmm. He says, um, also, if you could pray for me that I might meet some like-minded Christians in my area that want to do the same in Springfield, Missouri. If you happen to know anyone around my area that is interested in these things, let me know. Now, you know and I know that we met a ton of people that were from the greater Springfield area at the conference, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were, I mean, they were all around us. Some of them hung out with us for a while. I don't have all of the detailed names and contact information for everybody. But I'm, I'm, I'm doing like a all-points bulletin to our Futurians. Those of you who are in the greater Springfield, Missouri area, uh, if you feel like you, you would like to join up with Brother Matt and uh, um, find a way to serve alongside him, uh, none of us like to be lone wolves and feel like we see these things on our own. Um, Brother Matt has said he wants to go serve the Lord mm-hmm. and help in these ways, and he would sure like to do that with somebody else. And uh, I'm calling out to you for Cherians for you to step up. Yeah. And let Matt bless you like he did uh, you and me, Tom, at the conference. Yeah. He didn't run over our feet either. He didn't run over our feet. And uh, can I say a quick prayer? Please. Make that happen. Heavenly Father, I pray for our Futurian listeners, all of them out there, that do feel like lone wolves, that feel like uh, they're doing things on their own and other people don't understand. I pray that you'd bring people in their lives that they could talk with and share and learn together and they have a common understanding. They get it, uh, the stuff we talk about. And I pray for Brother Matt. I pray for all the challenges, mm. just physical, that he has day to day and our other listeners who have some other kind of physical disability of some type. Uh, Lord, I pray for all our listeners in the greater Springfield area that you would speak in their heart right now or shortly thereafter and that you would tell them that this was a thing of you, Lord, that you uh, are wanting them to to contact us here at Future Quake 
and be away for the week and get them hooked up with Brother Matt, Lord, so they can be doing your work and the fellowship together. So, Lord, I just leave that with you, that you would speak to them right now. Mm-hmm. I pray our other Futurians also were praying that our, our friends in this greater Springfield area would hear this too and would be so motivated to do that. Mm-hmm. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, enough of that. Okay, that's it for my announcements. We're ready for stories, if you are. Okay. You want to go first? Why don't you do that long one you were telling me about? The one that you actually had and you very graciously deferred to me? Yeah. Well, I mean, I had a a short version. I had the long-winded. You had had the good one. Yeah, that's why I want to... This is the 40-page version. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, it's funny I mentioned that because um, I just recorded my talk on Holy War that I gave an abbreviated version at Future mm-hmm. Congress, and Chris White had asked to do it to put up on YouTube as part of Nowhere to Run on the Chris yeah, White channel. Yeah, I know. And I tried to have dinner with him, and he was, like, running, like, at least an hour late. That very, you're, you're not pulling my leg? Really? Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. Well, you're the first victim of it. But it's, it's cool. It really, <laughs> it really is totally uh, cool. He, he had asked me to record this, and... Uh, I said, well, you know, I didn't get through all the slides at Future Congress. You know, we had an hour and a half or mm-hmm. so. I said, I didn't get through all of it. I said, this could be a little bit longer. I said, it might go as long as two hours. <laughs> and uh, he said, that's okay. I don't want to interrupt you. Just go straight through it. So I went through the entire Holy War briefing uh, presentation, one slide at a time. I didn't really hang out at every bullet. I just said, you know, a few words, just read it literally almost off the screen. Uh-huh. Went through all of it, and I recognized I had it on slideshow, so I couldn't see my clock. Huh. Well, it started getting dark in the room. Dun, dun, dun. Started getting, dun, started getting dun, dark. Dun, 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 I didn't hear anything dun, from Chris dun, for a long dun, time. Dun. And when I got done, I uh, asked him how long I went, and he said it was about four hours. It was about four hours for, for Holy War. So yeah. I, I sort of know how that guy felt in the book of Acts that fell out the window when Paul was preaching, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but Chris somehow hung in there. I hope he was multitasking. That's the only thing I hope. And I heard him. I heard him shaving during it. He was. He had to shave a couple times. While yeah. I was going through it. But anyway, I wanted to let our listeners know that it may be up as soon as now. So if you go to YouTube, go to Chris White's site, and you might see the Holy War mm-hmm. talk. But just uh, be par- be prepared to you know take it in like 18 parts or something if you want to hear all of it. So anyway, sorry that just reminded me of this long story. Okay, I want you to interject here. This is from Counterpunch, okay? Okay. This is called A Secret War in 120 Countries, the Pentagon's New Power Elite. Yeah. Oh, I think we did have the same story. Somewhere on this planet, an American commando is carrying out a mission. Now say that 70 times and you're done for the day. Without the knowledge of the American public, a secret force within the U.S. is undertaking operations in a majority of the world's countries. This new Pentagon power elite is waging a global war whose size and scope has never been revealed until now. Mm-hmm. After a U.S. Navy SEAL put a bullet in Osama bin Laden's chest and another in his head, one of the most secretive black ops units in the American military suddenly found its mission in the public spotlight. It was atypical. While it's well known that the U.S. Special Operations Forces are deployed in war zones in Afghanistan and Iraq, sure. and it's increasingly apparent that such units operate in murkier conflict zones like Yemen and South Somalia, the full extent of the worldwide war has remained deeply in the shadows. Now, one of the things I'd like to point out is that we haven't made any official declaration with Yemen. No. Yeah. I mean, Somali, Somalia might could be, you might could make a different story because there's not really a recognizable government in many parts of the area. But still, why do we belong there? 
Well, uh, under the auspices of killing terrorists, which I think is, you know, we could certainly get into that funk. But the point I wanted to make is that in Yemen, there is a functioning government. We're just like, well, we're just going to do what we want. Yeah. Pakistan's yeah, and and the the interesting fact is the article sort of takes it as like a given, like right. Well, you know, we just accepted the fact that we go into smaller countries every five years and just sort of slap them up against the wall and mm-hmm. make sure that the rest of the world knows that we mean business. Mm-hmm. But you guys don't know the extent of it. That's why we don't like the UN, because it would cut into what we do naturally ourselves anyway. Well. I, I kind of like them. Don't like them because they're trying to weaponize food. Well, I don't like them either, but I'm saying that's why the American government doesn't like it. Oh. Okay. Yeah. You know, the, Ameri- the, the American government's doing a good enough job weaponizing food on their own, aren't they? Look at our government, the USDA. I mean, sure, the oh, U.S. Yeah, is doing their part. Oh, yeah, it's funny you that. I was just going to say, is, that, is he trying to get me to read the next article? The American government is not fighting the U.N. No. in this, okay? No, no, they're no, just, no. They're, they're just they're doing their part. Kind of doing their thing. Okay. Okay, it says, last year, Karen DeYoung and Greg Jaff- Jaffe of the Washington Post reported that U.S. Special Forces operate, Special Operation Forces were deployed in 75 countries, up from 60 at the end of the Bush pre- presidency. So it keeps increasing, 75 countries. Mm-hmm. By the end of this year, U.S. Special Operations Command spokesman Colonel Tim Nye told me that that number will likely reach 120. There you go. Now that that's, that's out of the bag. That's more than go to the Olympics, right? Yeah, that's like 70% of all the countries in the world. And, and down in those noise, those are little micro countries, right? Not to say their people aren't important, but when you yeah. get down to like the 121st biggest country, you're getting pretty small. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see the list. You know, does it yeah. include countries like Germany? You know, it's like Faroe Islands. Well, Faroe Islands probably a given. You say there's nothing there to take. No, just no topsoil. It's no topsoil. You'll see when I just have a horn of plenty, I grow at the Faroe Islands. As long okay. as it's lichen, moss, or wildflowers. So 120 countries. Yeah. Now, now here's the point. I'll, I'll just say my point ahead of time on this story. It's one thing if you have an army where, like, you, let, let's say you've got an enemy who's marching across, and they're marching up out of the water up on our shore, and we call a draft, and we all get together to defend our homeland, we defend our neighbor's property, and we, we do this kind of thing. That is not the way special operations, the whole concept is. Special operations are people who are really virtually on the offensive. Mm-hmm. Now, they may try to rescue hostages or something like that. But mostly but they go to other places and kill people we don't like. They're taking proactive mm-hmm. steps, sort of like even pre-war activities or whatever. But the thing is, is that we we train them, and they're growing dr- drastically, as this re- report will say. Mm-hmm. We train them to be perpetually active. It's not like our natural nature is peace, and then if war happens, war clouds come, then we get our people together and resist it, mm-hmm. and then we go back to our business, which is the way, you know, you look at even Israel during the time of the judges. Most of their time was spent farming, mm-hmm. you know, and then when when they sinned, and then somebody came and oppressed, and then the Lord would gather them together from the tribes. They'd, they'd leave their weapon, their implements for a while. They would go fight, and when it was over, they'd go back to farming. Mm-hmm. We have a group that's basically professional soldiers of war, and they stay perpetually somewhere fighting somebody full time. Mm-hmm. So, what what do we say about America when they're in something where they're perpetually at war fighting, nonstop? Well, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's 
Um, I, I don't know how you can justify that. I mean, morally, twenty countries. Yeah, morally. Moral, morally, what 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 does it reveal about our souls? What does it show about? Well, uh, had, what our real nature. I've had are. discussions with with people who say things like, "Well, the reason that we are doing that is because people just don't like our freedom." Yeah, which is to- totally incoherent because then you ask him, "Why are we in Iraq?" He's like, "To bring people freedom." Mm-hmm. But you just told me twenty minutes ago they didn't like it. Yeah, right. But were they bringing it to him anyway? Right. Well, you know, one thing we did bring them was Sharia law. Yes. Because we wrote their constitution to have Sharia law. We're like we're like right there, <laughs> like eye to eye on this one. It's about time. Um, anyways, uh, this this colonel from Special Forces says we do a lot of traveling, a lot more than Afghanistan and Iraq. He said recently, this global mm-hmm. presence uh, in about sixty percent of the world's nations and far larger than previously acknowledged provides striking new evidence of the rising clandestine Pentagon power elite waging a secret war in all corners of the world. Born of a failed 1980 raid to rescue American hostages in Iran, in which eight service members died. By the way, Jerry Boykin was part of that group, by the way. Mm-hmm. U.S. Special Operations Command, SOCOM, was established in 1987. Having spent the post-Vietnam years distrusted and starved for money by the regular military, Special Operations Forces suddenly had a single home, a stable budget, and a four-star commander. Do you know why that was? Mm-mm. Because the stuff that they did in Vietnam was like so far out, like people was like, "That's just weird." Like the Phoenix, op- yeah, Operation Phoenix. Yeah, uh, one a friend of a friend, uh, uh, his job was essentially to 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 go in behind enemy lines with a forty five mm-hmm. and some chocolate bars. Yeah, and he would sit in the grass for two weeks, uh, like in Cambodia, and then uh, he would just observe troop movement and write it down, and. Uh, the 45 wasn't there to like fight anybody off. It was for you know him, in case he got captured. Yeah. And uh, like he he said there would be. What ton- were the chocolate bars for? Eat. Okay. You know, uh, so he'd sit out there in the grass for two weeks. You know, not being basically motionless mm-hmm. for two or three days at a time, and you know. Mrs. Future say I do that here a lot. Yeah, but you're on the couch in an air conditioned room. Mrs. Future quite confident. And they have okay. like tarantulas growing on you. Okay. And he he would talk about, he said that, like, they would, you know, he would get so close that a couple of times people um, people came, and he was kind of on this, like, this bad patch of grass watching these people, and they were only about 100 yards away, and then they stopped mm-hmm. in the late afternoon and set up camp, and the nearest tent was, like, 25 yards away from him. And uh, they were there for, like, two or three days doing, mm-hmm. you know, resting, doing whatever they did. And they packed up and went away. And uh, he would, you know, two weeks later, they'd pick him up. And, yeah. you know, that's what he would do. That sounds like an awful easy job if you're just laying around like that. I wish I could have got a <laughs> deal like that. Uh, it, it says, uh, since then, SOCOM has grown into a combined force of startling proportions, made up of units from all the service branches, including the Green Berets, Rangers, SEALs, Air Force Commanders, Commandos and Marine Corps Special Operation, mm-hmm. in addition to specialized helicopter crews, boat teams, civil affairs personnel, pararescue men, and even battlefield air traffic controllers and special operations weathermen. SOCOM carries out the United States' most specialized and secret missions. These include assassinations, which were probably illegal, uh, counter terrorist raids, sure. long range reconnaissance, intelligence analysts, 
foreign troop training and weapons of mass destruction counterproliferation operations. You know, one thing since we're since we're talking about it, I read a book from the 50s about uh, it was a declassified book on you know like how the CIA would like yeah. assassinate people, and one thing they would do is uh, they would take people like they would have people up to a a like a balcony or something. And then reach down to tie their like they were tying their shoe and just grab by the ankles and like pull up as hard as they could and invariably the guy would fall off the back of the thing and they'd never be react fast enough to grab a guy. Mm. And so you'll notice that a lot of times when when uh, uh, key scientists die and mm-hmm. key other key other officials in other countries yeah. they always fall off a balcony or mm. fall downstairs. Which was happening with those UN scientists like a bunch of them in a row. A whole bunch of them. Yep. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Wow. You know what? They did that same movement, I think, on that show 24. I think they did the same wow. exact Probably thing. Probably read the same book. Well, the same advisors, yeah. you know, for the show. Um, one of its key components is the Joint Special Operations Command, or JSOC, a clandestine subcommand whose primary mission is tracking and killing suspected terrorists. Who, uh, who Colonel uh, Lawrence Wilkerson, right? Colonel Lawrence Wilkerson alleges that... Uh, I alleged on this show that that uh, uh, Dick Cheney had a had a special workaround that cut out the the general who was in charge, so he could run his own assassination teams. Hmm. Okay. He said that here. I mean, well, they also had uh, the CIA also had Eric Prince doing assassination teams yeah. too. How many people do you need to assassinate? I wonder if they Apparently actually. It's a lot. They probably shoot at each other accidentally. <laughs> you know. Bert. Harry. I'm, what are you doing here? I remember seeing a TV show on TV called The Time Truck, where they had this like truck that they could drive through this alley and it would send them back in time. Uh-huh. And they set it to go back and rescue Abraham Lincoln up in the uh, booth from getting shot, you uh-huh. know. And uh, so they go back there, and they're trying to explain to, to Lincoln they're from the future and try to watch out, you know, from getting shot. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, other people come from the future that also go at the same time and try to stop it too and they all get in a big fight up there in his little balcony thing mm-hmm. and while they're all fighting over who gets to save him Lincoln gets shot yep. yeah then they all go home great based on a true story okay of course um, reporting to the president acting under his authority JSOC maintains a global hit list that includes American citizens by the way on their hit list it has been operating an extra legal kill capture campaign that John Nagel a past counterinsurgency advisor to a four-star general and soon-to-be director David Petraeus calls an almost industrial-scale counterterrorism killing machine. Uh, assassination program has been carried out by commando units like Navy SEALs and Army's Delta Force, as well as drone strikes of covert wars in which the CIA was involved in Somalia, Pakistan, and Yemen. Uh, it also has a network of secret prisons, perhaps as many as 20 black sites in Afghanistan alone used for interrogating mm-hmm. high-value targets, which is a place that probably you don't want to go to, is what I'm thinking. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. three squares a day. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it's a three-cubic-foot square is what they put in. Yep. It says, with a force of about 37,000 in the early 90s, Special Operations Command personnel have grown to almost 60,000, about a third of whom are career members of SOCOM. The rest have military occupational specialties. That's almost not like this special elite team when you think 60,000 people. Mm-hmm. You know, um, It says growth has been exponential since September 11, 2001. And the, their budget has gone from $2.3 billion to $6.3 billion. Um, 
Great. If you include Iraq and Afghanistan, it goes up to $9.8 billion. That's a lot of money. Uh, personnel deployed abroad has gone fourfold. Okay. Um, uh, one of the guys says he sees his, just his unit doubling that currently has 2,600. Uh, he says expect you're going to have up to 5,000, like the equivalent to the number of SEALs that we have on the battlefield, between five and 6,000. We have 5,000 SEALs on the battlefield? Do you know how much it costs to train a SEAL? You know, it's an insane amount, right? It's millions of dollars yeah. per SEAL, which, which, you know, the big tragedy, like when that helicopter went down, was their life. Mm-hmm. But you just think about that money when they put all that money in one helicopter and they're lost just from a military asset perspective, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they still expect to grow 3 to 5% a year. Um, I'm skipping down to just hit some things here. Okay. Um, it, um, they say that as conventional forces are drawn down in Afghanistan, special ops troops will take an ever bigger role. Um, and it says, as a former JSOC commander, I can tell you that we are looking very hard at Yemen and Somalia. Mm-hmm. So good. We can have some more larger scale wars. Great. Hopefully. Um, there was a speech at the National Defense Industrial Association's uh, Special Operations Symposium, and Navy Admiral Eric Olson of, from the Operations Command mm-hmm. uh, pointed to composite satellite image of the world at night. Before September 11th, the, they, the lit portions of the planet, mostly the industrialized nations of the north, mm-hmm. were considered the key areas. But the world changed over the last decade. Our strategic focus has shifted to the south. Certainly within the special operations community, as we deal with the emerging threats from places where the lights aren't. So that's where they're going, I guess, mm-hmm. south of the uh, equator. Um, south of the border. Right. With a bunch of special forces. Right. And it says, while Olson made reference to only 51 countries of top concern to SOCOM. Only 51, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, that are the ones that take heavy. Uh, they are now currently deployed in 70 nations around the world. Um, all of them, he hastened to add, at the request of the host government. So even if the host government wants it, why are we doing their bidding for them? What are they paying us in exchange for the millions of dollars per person that we use? Yeah, at the turn of the century, a similar thing happened in uh, Central America over the banana. Yeah, the banana republics. Well, at least well, no, no, actually, the, well, yeah, the banana republics. That's why they got their name. Yeah. At least somebody got money. By the way, the, these are where 85% of our troops are, these kind of troops. Mm-hmm. Afghanistan, Bahrain, Egypt, Iran, Iraq, Jordan, Kazakhstan, which is interesting, Kuwait, Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan. Lebanon, Oman, Pakistan, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, uh, Syria, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, UAE, Uzbekistan, and Yemen. Uh, others are scattered from South America to Southeast Asia. Some of those are, are I find interesting that that Russia doesn't get more worked up over mm-hmm. while we're, while we're there. Um, well, they may have troops there too. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, and it it differentiates here. It says it's no secret that the so-called black special operations troops, like SEALs and Delta Force, are conducting kill capture missions in Afghanistan, Iraq, Pakistan, and Yemen, while quote white forces like the Green Berets and Rangers are training partners as part of a secret war against al-Qaeda and militant groups. Mm. In the Philippines, the U.S. spends $50 million a year on a 600-person contingent of Army Special Operations Forces, SEALs, 
uh, Air Force and others that carries out counter-terrorist operations. Does this just, just goes on indefinitely? Is yeah, that the plan? They kinda, figure for the rest of life this is what this yeah, is going to be? Yeah, this is just the price of freedom. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, but now they're training people. Some of their training exercises are in Belize, Brazil, Bulgaria, Burkina Faso, Germany, That's Indonesia, Mali, Norway, Norway, Panama, and Poland. Poland? Uh-huh. It's where the dark prison is. Well, some wonder something that happened in Norway not too long ago. The bombing, yeah. Um, yeah, but then it, some some bomber got six thousand pounds of explosives up a up a stairwell by himself. Yeah, yeah. Explain that again. What happened there? Okay, well, he blew up a building and then shot a bunch of kids. Right, right but the, the, the whole bomb, explosive issue. Yeah, well, well, from my understanding of it, is that the explosive went off on the second floor of the building. And he used a fertilizer bomb to do it and then got 6,000 pounds of explosive up the stairwell in about an hour or so. It wasn't in a vehicle? No, I heard it was. I heard it was. He did it by hand. Okay. I thought it was just in a vehicle that blew oh, outside the building. But It could be. But uh, one thing that Dr. Stan Monteith points out is that the the ground pedaled up from underneath. Which that always shows the direction of the explosion, where mm-hmm. it pedals outward. That's even even I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, which shows it couldn't well, have been from something up expert. above. Yeah. Well, had some training and that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm I'm just skipping to see if there's anything else here I want to point. I think you're getting the idea. This is basically just running everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think I'm just going to leave it at that. Any other comments that you have on this? Pretty much. You pretty much covered it all. It's farce, farcial, given the given the blue Kool Aid that's sort of tossed around. Well, w- what it symbolizes is our whole concept of war is: here comes an enemy, you get up people to stop them, and then you go back. It's like a posse almost. You you mm-hmm. solve the problem, then you go back to your business. That's mm-hmm. not what we're looking at anymore. We're looking at total, nonstop, complete war. Mm-hmm. Led by the U.S., paid for by you and me. Amsoc versus. Uh what was the other one? Amsoc and... But 120 countries. Yeah, I know. It's it's totally... You can't... There aren't enough Al-Qaeda people out there. I, well, that's the whole... That's... Uh, it, like, how Even do you they justify are taking 120? Their orders, you know, yeah. 120, 120 countries. We have special forces troops in 120 countries. Now, if you include, let's say... I mean, that dramatically dwarfs World War II mm-hmm. in terms of the geographical scope of activity. Yeah. Sure. sure I, totally. The only difference is, is that so Al Qaeda is that much, and their their allies are that much more powerful than Germany, and the Empire of Japan and Italy, mm-hmm. that they could spread the the war over that many places. Is that what we're led to believe? That, that's kind of it. I mean, well, you know, uh, this website called Sycamore3.blogspot.com has yeah, a quack that yeah. operates that. Hyde, I think, is his last name. Yeah. He had an interesting thing. He started renaming all the wars. Yeah. And he called it for truth and advertising purposes. Yeah, it was it was something like that. And like Bush, uh, the the this war, the war in Iraq was called uh, George W. Bush Obama War Number One. The war in <laughs> Afghanistan was called the George W. Bush Obama War in Afghanistan. Uh, what? Yeah, the, the war in Iraq was George the George Should be Bush, number two. Yeah, no, number two. Number That's one. what I mean. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Can't even tell a simple anecdote over here. Uh, um, but they need to check that out. 
yeah. Sycamore3.blogspot.com. And it's sort of like watching the old Fat Albert TV show. If you if you watch it, you might. Yeah, if you don't look out, you might learn something yep. over there. What are you reading about over there? All of our older futurians will appreciate those yeah. references. Well, they did that. They did that movie. You know. I don't remember that. Oh, they did a they did a remake recently. Yeah. You got a story? Yeah. Uh, it fits along nicely with yours. U.S. weapons now in Somali terrorist hands. Awesome. I hope we made some money off of it. At least we're able to sell them. Well, it's funny. I have a I have a story about that where they're trying to delist sensitive weapons so they can uh, export more arms. The mm-hmm. U.S. government. Anyway, bad news in the five-year-old U.S. proxy war against Al-Qaeda-allied Somali insurgents. Half of the U.S.-supplied weaponry that enables cash-strapped Ugandan and Burundian troops to fight Somalia's Al-Shabaab terror group is winding up in Al-Shabaab's hands. The kicker? It's the cash-strapped Ugandans who are selling the weapons to the insurgents. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, a lot of our technology ended up to our enemies via Israel. They sold a lot of our most secret missile technology to China. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. But nothing comes of that, you know. Yeah. Um, anyway, this revelation, buried in U.N. reports and highlighted by controversial war correspondent Robert Young Pelton in his new Somali Report website, raises some unsettling questions about Washington's plans to outsource more wars in the future. Shabab is back in the headlines for some downright evil actions during Somalia's growing humanitarian crisis. And it is a crisis over there. Mm-hmm. We've got a looming famine if it hasn't already started where 12 million people might die. The terror group is blocking starving people from fleeing the country and setting up a uh, cantonment camp. Uh, I don't know what a cantonment camp is, where it is imprisoning displaced people who are trying to escape Shabab territory. The Pentagon has been striking at al-Shabab since at least early 2007 with special forces, armed drones, and Tomahawk cruise missiles fired by Navy, but most of the fighting against the Islamic terror group which has lured as many as 50 Somali-American kids to Mogadishu uh, and even sent one on a suicide mission is done by the roughly 9,000 Ugandan and Burundi soldiers belonging to the African Union's peacekeeping force in Mogadishu, codename Amasam. So one thing that kind of gets, like, you know, I think of immediately is we've got this, we've got this special operations force that we just covered of 60,000 you know, fighters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the whole nine yards, and they're operating in all these countries. And we've just identified that this group, Al-Shabaab, is setting up a cantonment camp, which I, I suppose is some sort of an internment camp mm-hmm. where he's like, you guys all stay here and you can't do anything. Uh, to, for displaced people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would seem like an obvious thing that they could, you know, smash. Yeah. Like, like, oh, look, here's a camp. Here's something that we can bomb, we can, you know, we can rescue, we can do an airlift, we can do mm-hmm. a million things. But what about all those drones with Hellfire missiles on them? Seems like they could be put to good use there. Well, they said that the, they've been striking at Al-Shabaab with uh, armed drones and Tomahawk cruise missiles. Uh, but it's the fighting has been done by the Ugandan and Burundian soldiers belonging to the African mm-hmm. Union's peacekeeping force, codenamed Amasom. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't uh, quick draw McGraw, didn't when his name after the same group, his alter ego? Amasom? No, uh, 
Oh no, he he was uh, El Cabong. <laughs> you remember him? I do remember when El he Cabong. put that little uh, mm-hmm. mask on and he would hit people in the head with a guitar. Mm-hmm. That was El Cabong. I don't know if that's allied with the Al Qaeda groups or not, but yep. In exchange, Washington pays the troops and sends them regular consignments of guns, rockets, and ammo. Between 2007 and 2009, the bill for U.S. taxpayers came to around 200 million, and has probably doubled since then. The problem is, the Ugandan army withholds most of the peacekeepers' $550 monthly paychecks, keeping the money in bank accounts in Uganda accessible only by the troops' families. Uh, Considering limited shopping opportunities for embattled Amazon troops, you would think that makes sense to keep their money at home, Pelton wrote, except that Amazon payment that the Amazon payment tobacco leaves thousands of troops surrounded by tons of weapons with no way to buy even small, small things like personal items, sweets, or mobile home, mobile phone rechargers to call home. Mm-hmm. So they sell their excess weaponry to intermediates who then sell it to the Al-Shabaab. These are the practical kind of things that people don't ever think yeah. of. So how bad is it? In April of 2011, the UN determined that 90% of all 12.7 by 108 millimeter ammunition in Mogadishu was from an Amazon stock created in 2010. 12.7 millimeter, that's 50 caliber, basically. Yeah, all the 50 caliber am- ammo uh, in Mogadishu was from Amazon. An RPG captured from Al-Shabaab was analyzed and determined to have been delivered by Dine Corp mm-hmm. to the Ministry of Defense in Uganda. Mm-hmm. The contract was to supply weapons and ammunition to the Ugandan forces in Mogadishu. So our contractors are making the money. Mm-hmm. They're getting the money for it. Yep. With the U.S. effectively arming both sides of the conflict, the Somali fight could go on, well, forever. Well, I guess the bright side of this, maybe this will help our economy. If we can keep fighting, you know, getting two people to buy our stuff on both sides. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm thinking we're probably paying for some of it somehow and what we're giving them. But um that certainly is a Christian nation. What I'd want to be known for is the fact that we yeah. can keep people in deadly conflict with each other. Well, of all the con- of all like, well, DynCorp has got no shortage of like oddities. There was that lady. Maybe we should have her on the show who uh, who said that she worked for DynCorp and uncovered a uh, a human trafficking, mostly kids yeah. for the sex sl- select right. slaves and stuff. And they told her to sit on it. She says I can't sit on it, and they tried to kill her, and she escaped out of the country through kind of, you know, like mm-hmm. renting a car and kind of yeah. going rogue. And yeah. now is back in the States and has written a book about it. And it's, uh, we could uh, get her on our show. Yeah. Basically, doesn't this further reinforce that all war is really about money mm-hmm. and somebody looking to make money on somebody else? Sometimes it's done at like this really, really high level. You know, Dennis Cuddy's been talking about how uh, Martin Borman and Himmler were in on a program that not everybody in the high German staff was mm-hmm. to basically intentionally lose the war and use Hitler as a stooge. And and Borman himself funneled something like $80 billion or something through an account they used later where they bought up the patents to all of the hundreds of major companies in the West and basically basically held their technology value in their own hands. And went in mass to South America. And it's very interesting. Some people probably already know this, but Nelson Rockefeller cut a deal with the Zionists that mm. he would bring the voting bloc of Latin America in the UN to vote for their homeland if they would not go after the other Nazis that left mm. in Central America, which they agreed to do in South America. 
And I think they finally went after one, maybe like right after Nelson Rockefeller died, and then they got in trouble for it. But they basically sold out the Nazis that had the money to be able to get the homeland. It's very interesting. Read Dennis Cuddy, what he's done on this kind of work. But but it's all about money. But even at the local level. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about in, in Kabul how the Taliban makes a cut with our defense contractors to yep. not attack the convoys. Well, here's another and one. And now on this very low level, they're making this deal where they're selling the weapons and stuff to get to make money. It's all about money. Well, here's another one. Weapons given to Iraq are missing. That's from uh, the Washington Post, 2007. The Pentagon has lost track of about 190,000 AK-47 assault rifles and pistols given to Iraqi security forces, according to the new government report. And uh, as we know, you know, yeah. we also lost like six and six point six billion of their dollars or something or trillion. I can't remember, but it was some huge yeah. astronomically big number. And it's always, uh, it's like every couple of weeks you find a new story about some ridiculous thing happening in a war zone where. Not only are people getting maimed and blown to pieces. That's all that happens in war zones. Yeah, uh, but well, insanely cruel things. Well, I was going to say that's not the only thing that happens. Some people make high profits. Right. Yeah. That's what war is always about. And of the two major political parties, there is only one candidate I know that says to stop the insanity, and it's Ron Paul. Mm-hmm. And the Christian community thinks he's absolutely nuts for that, and he gets zero value voters votes for that. Well, so, enough of that. Anything else you want to share there? No, you got it. Okay. You covered it. Uh, th- there was other announcement I happen to think of I need to mention. Uh, if some folks were thinking about going to our Nash- Nashville area Futurians meeting, um, Brother Bob, who's overseeing that, is out of town on business this week and next. So it won't be these two weeks, but it'll be the following week. Oh, shoot. So I just want to make sure people knew about that, which I guess would put it... S- Somewhere closer to the 25th, probably. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you want to know more from him and you're anywhere in the Middle Tennessee area, just uh, email NashvilleFuturians at gmail.com and get on the list, and you can be on a list to notify what's going on. Sweet. And, uh, by the way, we, we uh, I also forgot to mention we had Brother Joel come to visit us mm-hmm. uh, on Sunday, one of our yep. Futurians uh, from Wisconsin. I was doing some business in Memphis and came back. And uh, this guy's, he knows his stuff, doesn't he? He's cool, man. He really blessed I'll me. T- I mean, blessed yeah, me, me in too. a major way. Me too. I'll tell you what, man. He's got to move here. We're, we're going to pray him in. Yeah. We're going to pray him in. We'd like all our Futurians to move in a big exodus. Yeah. I'd uh, like to buy a compound. Futurian exodus. Everybody come to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Like We've to had a couple kind of show up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have. I'd like to get something sort of like how David Koresh had that thing. You know? I wouldn't. I'd like it to be like normal. Well, I mean, just the facility. You know that facility oh. they had? But what I would do, since my background in fire and explosion protection, is I'd make sure they didn't knock over any of those fire canisters like they intentionally did to burn them out. Now, I don't know what I can do if they run out and they start shooting them in the back like they did before. But anyway, that's another story. But Brother Joel's really cool, and yeah. uh, he really fed me spiritually. But one thing we went he, he to... He also fed me not spiritually. He actually bought me breakfast. He did? Yeah. Oh my goodness! Fed me, like, with eggs and bacon. Oh my goodness! You're getting all the stuff. This is a one-sided thing I know it's here. Because I'm so pathetic. People I'm take be one a, look at me and they're like, "I'm a co-host." Got to do all the things, everything we can get to help this guy out. He's well, wearing crash helmets to, you know, chess matches and stuff. 
Sister Jenny, who's a friend of uh, Brother Ryan, one of our Futurians here, uh-huh. um, recommended that we went to a place here in Middle Tennessee called Wired Coffee House. Yeah, it was good. And it's a really one of these cool, uh, you know, industrial Bohemian coffee house places, mm-hmm. all painted in black. And it's like where you would see the show Sprockets, you know, or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, they have worship on Sunday nights there. Mm-hmm. And it's Christian people own it. But it's really high tech with really fancy drinks and you know coffees yeah. and stuff. They and had things. an apple pie milkshake. I really want to try that. Okay. One. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, it looks like they may be hosting our National Futurians meetings, hmm. uh, where we could Possible. can meet there, and we're even talking about maybe even d- doing a future quick show there. That'd be cool. So if you're in Middle Tennessee and you're a Futurian, be sure and check out Wired. Go in there and get you something exotic. They have computers there you can use. You can go mm-hmm. online and do stuff. And just tell them Dr. Future and Tom Bionic sent you. And we appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So um, here's my Muslim story for the week. How about right. that? Can I get that out of the way? <laughs> they have replaced Nephilim and David Rockefeller in our history for regular mention. So thank you for that. Not that that was a condescending yeah. stereotype there, Tom. But I know. It was, that was the whole thing. Yeah. That's, that's how Christians look at other people groups. But anyway, here is a... Um, a poll that was done, okay? Um, they're reporting it from Gallup. I saw it on antiwar.com. Somebody tipped me off on it. I think Brother Robert Hyde did. It says, U.S. Muslims more tolerant opposed to violence than other faiths. I want people to listen to this closely, okay? This is from a Gallup poll. Uh-huh. Muslims in the United States express greater tolerance for members of other faiths than any other major religious group according to a major new survey and report released Thursday by the Abu Dhabi Gallup Center. Now, Gallup's a Christian man, premier pollster mm-hmm. in the world probably, I guess, as far as quality of polling, but Christian background. It says that they, the Muslims, are also more likely than any other religious group to oppose violent or military attacks against civilians, according to the survey. And uh, I'll have a link up at our website where you can actually click to their links on this survey. It's mm-hmm. called Muslim Americans, Faith, Freedom, in the Future. Mm-hmm. So let me say that again. Muslims are more likely than any other religious group, including Christians or Jews, in opposing violent or military attacks against civilians. That means us Christians, if this poll is accurate, have a much higher propensity to think attacking civilians is okay. Well, it's a good thing that... Jesus didn't say things like, you know, bless your enemies. Yeah. Otherwise, it'd be tough. Yeah, that's for wimps. That's not for Americans. Yeah. Maybe, uh, that, maybe that maybe maybe the church isn't like what we think the church is. I don't know. Well, I mean, most American Christians would disagree with with this here. It says nearly four out of five, seventy-eight percent U.S. Muslims say that military attacks against civilians can never be justified. Okay, four out of five. That compares with less than two of five Protestants. Mm-hmm. 38% say it could never be justified. 39% of Catholics and 43% of Jews. 43%, huh? Yeah. So we're between 38 and 43, between Protestant, Catholic, and Jews. Muslims, 78% say that it's never justified against civilians. Wow. Okay. 89% of Muslims said that attacks by an individual person or a small group of individuals to target and kill civilians can never be justified. Okay, they're talking about like homicide bombers, okay? Those kind of groups, 
terrorist. Yeah. 89% say Muslims say can never be justified. Between 71 and 75% of Christian and Jewish respondents agreed. So a lot more Christians and Jews think it's okay for groups to basically do terrorist attacks on on civilians than Muslims. Okay. The survey also found that Jewish and Muslim Americans shared many views. Okay. The Jewish and Muslim. Including how best solve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Now listen to this. 81% of Muslims and 78% of Jews Created by Gallup, said they supported a two-state solution hmm. in Israel. Isn't that weird? You've got the overwhelming majority of Muslims and Jews saying it's okay, you know, except th- for Jewish, the leaders there, American leaders, hmm. and the American Christian community. It's interesting. They're the I only saw, ones that don't believe in I it. Saw a, I saw a video about sort of a housing debacle that's going on in Israeli, uh, well, Israel. Yeah. And one of the things that... One of the things that was in the was in there was all these people just decided to camp out at these parks. Mm-hmm. They were just uh, tired of. I'm gonna make a political statement by camping mm-hmm. out at the parks. Yeah. And it, you know, thousands of people showed up. And then what ended up happening is a lot of uh, a lot of different groups came in uh, that were uh, like like a, uh, a kibbutz kind of a group mm-hmm. came in and was arguing with people. Yeah. And one of them, one of the the thing that was recorded. I don't know if this is indicative or not. Maybe it's just. You know, but this other guy was saying we need to have our homeland and we need to kick all the mm-hmm. Arabs out. And this other guy was going, "What do you mean we need to kick them all out? Are are you going to say we need a homeland for this guy over here who's just as much of an Israeli as you are, and he's an Arab?" And uh, mm-hmm. the argument went back and forth like that, kind of two extremes. And uh, so it was so interesting. They're not, they're not monolithic, in other words, yeah, like we're no, portrayed to be. Very, yeah, very diverse in yeah. their opinion. It seems. So, in other words, a lot of our evangelical Christians actually stand opposed to a large portion of the Israeli people. Well, I don't know if that's the case or not. In their positions? Yeah, perhaps. I don't know. Just based on that that thing. If you read Jerusalem Post, Heretz, and these other ones, you certainly get that impression. Hmm. Um, Okay. Um, It says that um, Jewish respondents were also more likely than any other group, including Muslim themselves, to believe that Muslims face prejudice in the U.S. Okay? More Jews think Muslims are getting prejudiced than even Muslims do. Mm-hmm. While 60% of Muslims agreed with the proposition that most Americans are prejudiced against Muslim Americans, that was less than 66% of Jews. Protestants and Catholics were split on the question. Jewish respondents, 80%, were also more likely, besides Muslims themselves at 93%, to see Muslim Americans as being loyal to the United States. So Jewish people are more likely they're cool with Muslims. Hmm. Being good here. Okay. Christians are the problem, so it was the way it appears. Conversely, more than a third of Protestant and Catholic respondents questioned Muslims' loyalty, as did 19% of Jews. The survey, which was based on nearly 2,500 interviews with respondents, 475 who said they were Muslim, poses a major challenge to efforts, primarily by right-wing Christian and Jewish groups in the U.S., to depict Muslims and Islam as a religion as fundamentally alien, if not hostile, to Judeo-Christian or Western values in society. And that's because on the things that we cherish, dear, their polling says that they're right with us. Hmm. Uh, which which either Gallup is right in polling, or all of these guys who are being paid big bucks in the Christian community are right. So we have to pick which one is right. 
the, those efforts reached a high point over the last year in the form of a largely successful effort to derail the construction of a Muslim community center, the Ground Zero Mosque, two blocks from the site of the World Trade Center in Lower Manhattan, and an ongoing state-by-state campaign laid by, led by the neoconservative Center of Security Policy, CSP, that's Frank Gaffney's group, mm-hmm. to outlaw the application of Sharia or Islamic law in U.S. courts. The latter campaign headed by a former resident of a Jewish settlement on the occupied West Bank, has claimed that Sharia is part of a plot by the Muslim Brotherhood to transform the U.S. into an Islamic totalitarian state. These campaigns, as well as congressional hearings chaired by uh, Republican Representative Peter King on threats uh, allegedly posed by Muslim extremism in the U.S., have affected the public's perceptions of U.S. Muslims. Hmm. Their perceptions of the U.S., uh, was not addressed by the survey, which is based on interviews conducted early last year and again last October, according to Muhammad Yunus, a senior analyst at the Washington-based Gallup Center for Muslim Studies and main author of the analysis. Uh, the survey also didn't break down differences of views based on ethnicity or other factors among U.S. Muslims who make up the most racially diverse religious community in the country. Hmm. Okay, Muslims are more most diverse. Okay, so if we try to make a monolithic, it's not based on facts, okay, and what mm-hmm. they what they are. Okay, Asian Muslims, who comprise about 18% of the total Muslim population uh, here in the U.S., enjoy particularly high incomes on average. For example, while African-American Muslims, about 35% of the total, are least well-off, according to the last major Gallup survey. Hmm. Overall, Muslim Americans expressed more optimism about their lives including their economic well-being, than all of the other major religious groups, according to the survey. Great. Okay? They're more upbeat about their, their, their fate. They felt especially positive about Barack Obama, the first president of Muslim roots, which is really not surprising. Mm-hmm. 80% said they approved of his performance compared to 65% of Jews and 37% of Protestants. And you see, this is like what we heard one guy speak one time, you and I, where they said that... Uh, this actually, and this was a very, very controversial thing that a lot of people disagreed with, but this, this particular gentleman said that it actually presented a door for us to witness when Barack Obama was elected because mm-hmm. he was understood in the rest of the world to have been a Muslim who converted to Christianity, hmm. which was a high-profile person who made that transition, which we could use as an example of doing that mm-hmm. for other people. And people didn't want to hear that because they hate Barack Obama, which, you know, you and I aren't fond of his stuff either, we do. But what they were saying is, from a heavenly view of trying to accomplish kingdom business, there's good. a way to make lemonade out of it yeah. in, in what was going on. Okay. On the negative side, nearly half of all Muslim respondents said they had experienced discrimination over the last year compared to 20% of Protestants, Catholics, and Jews, and 31% of Mormons. And while, of all religious groups, Muslim respondents were most likely to express confidence in the honesty of elections, or 57%. Okay, they trust our elections the best. Mm-hmm. They were the least likely to be registered to vote and to express confidence in the military and in the FBI. No doubt because they've been in target of repeated investigations. Like I'll tell you what, man, right after September 11th, I was living in Fremont, and that had the lar- one of the largest populations of Afghanis in the nation. And uh, all their restaurants, not that I ate there a lot, yeah. but uh, uh, I, all their restaurants, suddenly nobody was in them. 
and all of a sudden there were black FBI cars like Crown Victorias riding around with no yeah. plates and stuff. I remember watching this one sit outside of a mosque for like eight hours. Don't you think those people are probably scared in there? Yeah. Like, probably. what are they going to do to us? Yeah, probably. I mean, in the in the in the chaos of it, I, I won't say it's justifiable, mm-hmm. but I guess I can understand. But you know, it's kind of. Kind but there of was no evidence nobody there had done anything. They yeah. were profiling. Uh, presumably, yeah. Based upon that, it was a religious thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, we had Japanese internment camps with the same mindset. Um, four out of five Muslims say that it is not. They do not believe it's possible to profile a terrorist based upon his, his or her gender, age, ethnicity, or other demographic traits. Partially that's because they know that Muslims are so diverse, whereas most of us think they all, they all are like Arabs. Saudi Arabians, yeah. Right. Um, slightly less than half of the other major religious groups agree. According to a religious tolerance index derived by Gallup, in which respondents assess how strongly they identify with other religions, the survey found that Muslims and Mormons were the most accepting or integrated, defined as going beyond a live-and-let-live or tolerant attitude, to actively seeking to know more about and learn from others of different religious traditions. Hmm. You understand that? Muslims, along with Mormons, are the ones more likely to want to go learn about what we believe and study. Mm-hmm. Hmm, I wonder if we could use that to any of our benefit. In sharing the gospel, you think, Tom? Mm, you would think so. Maybe you know what? Uh, most of our leaders would say they're doing this so they can figure out how to kill us and find our weak spots. But yep. um, forty-four, like that, like that Onion article where they yeah. say they're hardworking Muslims moving here, so their kids be you know raised up to be radical Islamists. Their long-term plan. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, if you said that in most Christian circles, it's a, yeah, I know it's right. I know that's what I suspected. Mm-hmm. 44% of Muslim respondents fit that definition compared to 34% of Catholics, 35% of Protestants, and 36 Jews. I'm just wrapping up here. Mm-hmm. Asked whether U.S. Muslims were sympathetic to Al-Qaeda. Okay? Muslim, are you sympathetic to Al-Qaeda? 92% of Muslim respondents, 70% of Jews, 63% of Catholics, and 50% of Protestants responded negatively. Okay. Fifty percent of Protestants responded negatively. Yeah. The other half. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. So less Muslims are sympathetic to Al Qaeda than are Protestants and Catholics. Okay. Now, even in spite of that, about one third of Christians did not dismiss the possibility of Muslim Americans holding sympathy for Al Qaeda. Although they are the highest ones to not have it. Mm-hmm. Okay, on foreign policy in the Muslim world, U.S. Muslims tend to be more skeptical than other religious groups. 83% of Muslims said they thought the Iraq war was a mistake, compared to 74% of Jews and an average of 40% of Christians. So which of those groups do you think were right on that one? No comment. <laughs> Muslim Americans, 47%, were also the most likely to see the U.S. military action in Afghanistan as mistaken, compared to about a third of Jews and Catholics and 29% of Protestants. While most respondents of all religious groups said the U.S. suffered a negative image in the Muslim world, 65% of Muslim Americans were the only group that attributed to what the U.S. has done, as opposed to misinformation about what the U.S. has done. Okay? 
Hmm. 70% of Catholics, 65% of Protestants, and 55% of Jews attributed Washington's negative image to misinformation. So that's one key difference. The Muslims look at what they understand that our government has actually done as part of the problem. We just say everybody misunderstands us. That they're just lying about, you know, like those stuff that I was just reading before and you were reading. Mm -hmm. It's all just a bunch of lies. It's all just lies. Yeah. It's like Grambro the Prophet. Grambro the Prophet. It's all lies. lies. Yeah. Um, so if, if you all are interested in that, go to the link at futurequake.com for this show under the past shows tab and throw that out there on some Christian, um, forums. Throw it on your email list, send it around, get comments and just mm-hmm. watch the fur fly. Okay. And, and to me, the motto with that is we're pretty ignorant of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And we're easily swayed in the Christian community. Do you okay. know Grambo the Prophet has got a book? Uh, Grambo the Prophet was someone who attended the 2005 Ancient of Days conference in Roswell, along uh-huh. with myself and Peter Goodgame and others. Yes. And uh interesting chap. Not heard from him since then, that, that arcane reference you've mentioned there. Mm-hmm. you have a story for us? Sure. There's so many. There's so many ways to go. Oops, there was a wrong link. I'd say we maybe got one each in us, and then okay. we'll include with some email if that's cool with you. Um, gosh, it's like we've been on this big weapons kick. Well, you got a non-weapons one. Uh, I do. Uh, do we want to go? Do we want to go with there the kick, go. or do we want to go some other way? Pick something interesting. All right. Well, one of the things that we've, one of the things that I've looked up and we've mentioned here is the. The Rossum Farm, they have yeah. a, their co-op yeah. that does raw food, uh, food and dairy and everything. The only thing worse to Americans' safety, more so than terrorism, is people eating uh, wholesome food that yeah. they develop themselves. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest threat to yeah. America. We got tomatoes in your backyard. You got to. Mm-hmm. Do you remember watching that video? Did you ever watch the video of the security cameras where the F- FDA and DEA agents came in, like SWAT team, guns drawn? Like literally, they've no. got their pistols out and they're walking mm. towards this uh, this cooler full of. Yeah, I think I've seen it. Yeah, yeah there's like yeah. three guys and there's one guy with his gun going. Yeah. What's what, what's the uh-huh. deal? Yeah. I, I love that. I yeah. might have to watch that. Um, this comes from WestonAPrice.org. It's their foundation that kind of yeah. puts all this stuff together. Rossum Farm Buying Buying Club raided again. Club manager, farmer, and Weston Price chapter leader arrested. Uh, there, interestingly, there, there, there's a protest rally planned for 8 a.m. Uh, August 4th, which has already passed. Uh, so this is Los Angeles. The public health officials today descended once again on a buying club that specializes in raw foods. Club organizer James Stewart was arrested at his home. The locks to his personal residence were changed. His papers, money, and computer seized. Uh, at the same time, Farmer Sharon Palmer and Weston A. Price Foundation volunteer chapter leader Victoria Blotch Coulter were arrested. All three were charged with Section 182A, conspiracy to commit a crime. Bond for James Stewart was set at 123000 Bail for Block was recommended at 60000 Bail for Blomer is recommended... Uh, bail for Palmer is recommended at 121000 You wouldn't usually get this for a murder charge. Yeah, I, why would they need to uh, change his locks to his personal refer, uh, residence? What? 
uh, all this in a state where raw milk is perfectly legal to sell and even available through retail stores. The issue seems to be the club's use of a herd share or boarding agreement for its dairy goats. Recently, the California Department of Food and Agriculture issued a cease and desist order to a farmer boarding dairy animals for the animal owners. Another farmer, Mike Holm of Evergreen Acres Goat Farm in San Jose, received a cease and desist order from the Santa Clara County District Attorney's Office. Holm and several people with ownership interest in goats kept at the farm are suing the state and county for interfering with their right to enter into a livestock boarding contract. The state insists the farmers need dairy licenses to conduct such operations. It is apparent that there is an orchestrated effort on the part of public health officials to curb raw dairy access in California and around the nation, declares Pete Kennedy, uh, president of the Farm, uh, to, Farm to Consumer, Consumer Legal Defense Fund. Arraignment is scheduled for tomorrow in, in uh, Department 30, Los Angeles Superior Court, 5th floor, uh, and gives the details. And the, uh, then there's a protest rally. It's already passed. Um, concerned citizens are asked to donate to the Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund, an mm-hmm. organization that works to protect and expand consumer access to whole, unprocessed food of their choice and to pave the way for unregulated direct trade between farmer and consumer. People, visit, people need to really think about doing this. Yeah. Visit their website for more details on food. Uh, food freedom and raw milk issues. That's farm2consumer.org. So there you go. You know what? It may be an idea if you had some money set aside for some kind of Christian political group to give them their political season, just to give it to this group instead. This is probably a more important thing to do. Instead of giving it, it eventually filters through to some politician. How about give it to some people who are just trying to feed wholesome food back and forth to people? And, And... we we've got to start supporting the people who are trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if all our Futurians and friends, and this was in California, right? Mm-hmm. People just decide they're only going to buy that stuff. Just buy their stuff. Of course, now that the rest of the dairy people will get, you know, the big super mega businesses will try to get more laws written because they'll fill in their pocketbook. Cheeseslave.com is a website that they mentioned at the bottom. And I can- I, I clicked on it here, yeah. and they have homemade cream sickles that are made from grass-fed cream and pasteurized egg yolks. Mmm. Like, huh. And they're sweetened with honey instead of sugar. Sounds terrible for you. I can't imagine. I'd, I'd want something GMO mixed in there myself. Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah. Well, um, you want one little quick one for me, Please. and we'll get on to our emails. Okay, this is a, this is a quick one. This is this is a little different palate mm-hmm. cleanser, okay. Uh, Jackie O tapes to reveal her and JFK's affairs and who she believed was behind his death. Uh, probably some people have seen this in the news if they looked around on the Daily Mail. Mm-hmm. Um, it says she revealed an affair with actor William Holden. Um, former First Lady Jackie Kennedy is said to have made the tapes within months of JFK's assassination. Uh, Jackie Onassis believed that Lyndon B. Johnson and a cabal of Texas tycoons were involved in the assassination of her husband, John F. Kennedy. Explosive findings are are set to reveal. The secret tapes will show that the former first lady felt that her husband's successor was at the heart of the plot to murder him. You know, he always made over her. It was like sort of, sort of sick. I mean, he, he almost like he was flirting with her all the time, you know? He was just real gushy over Jackie O. Hmm. 
Weird. It was creepy, you know, the way he did I, And I can't judge his heart, I don't know. But when you hear it, it makes you uncomfortable. It's Lyndon Johnson. I mean, he's got to be good. Not. Do you remember the old story that we read when he was dead and the guy who was his general who followed him around everywhere as attaché, never left his side, mm-hmm. that when he was on the airplane, when everybody was getting ready to get on board, you know, he was... They found he, him cowered in the toilet. Yeah, he was in the toilet of his thing there just sort of rocking back and forth like a nervous breakdown saying... They're coming to get me next. They're coming to get me. Something weird really went on there. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it says here, um, she became convinced that the president, along with businessmen in the South, had orchestrated the Dallas shooting with gunman Lee Harvey Oswald, long claimed to have been a lone assassin, merely part of a much larger conspiracy. <clears throat> Texas-born Johnson, who served as the state's governor and senator, completed Mr. Kennedy's term and went on to be elected president in his own right. The tapes were recorded with the leading historian, Arthur Schlesinger, you know, a very respected historian, um, within months of the assassination on November 22nd, 1963, and had been sealed in a vault at the Kennedy Library in Boston. Wow. A few months after Jackie O unveils. Okay. Uh, but then Mrs. Kennedy, who went on to marry Greek shipping tycoon Aristotle Onassis, had ordered that they should not be released until 50 years after her death, with some reports suggesting she feared that her revelations may make her target fa- family targets for revenge. She died 17 years ago from cancer, age 64, and now her daughter, Caroline Kennedy, has agreed to release the recordings early. Good for Caroline. Yep. You know, because now her brother's dead, Caroline's the only one left. And evidently she's brave enough to realize the public needs to know, so I appreciate her doing that. John and Jackie Kennedy, with daughter Caroline, who allowed the tapes to be released to ABC in return for their counseling of the miniseries about the family. Um, There was a miniseries done that they didn't like, so I guess she negotiated a deal. She'd release these tapes if they'd canceled the series. So So there was other implications there. Mm. Anyway, it says Jackie is said to reveal her affair with actor William Holden which she did in retaliation for her husband's many flings. In the tape, Jackie allegedly blames President Johnson for the death of JFK, who took over the post. Um, uh, Daughter Caroline Kennedy released the explosive tapes, um, and a program featuring the tapes will be aired by the ABC network, ABC, and as understood, British broadcasters are in talks to show it here, too. ABC executives uh, claim the tapes' revelations were explosive. They are believed to include the suggestion that Mr. Kennedy was having an affair with a 19-year-old White House intern, with his wife even claiming that she found knickers or underwear uh, in their bedroom, and they go on to reveal that she, too, had affairs, one with Hollywood star William Holden and another with the Fiat founder Gianni Agnelli as a result of the president's indiscretions. She has also been, also been claimed that in the weeks before Kennedy's assassination, the couple had turned a corner in their relationship and were planning to have more children. Historian Edward Klein, who has written several books on the Kennedy clan, said, Jackie regarded the pretty young things in the White House as superficial flings for Jack. She did retaliate by having her own affairs. There was a period during which she delighted to be able to annoy her husband with her own illicit romances. It is believed that Caroline, 53, agreed to the early release of the tapes in exchange for ABC dropping the $10 million uh, pound drama about the family, the Kennedys, uh, starring Katie Holmes. Um, uh, It's it's actually already been broadcast anyway on cable. It says a spokesman for ABC said the claims about the content of the tapes were erroneous. 
He said the actual content of the tapes provide unique and important insights into our recent past from one of the most fascinating and influential First Ladies of American history. The broadcaster did not reply to repeated requests for comment when I clarify what was on the tapes, saying that they're not scheduled for broadcast in mid-September. Hmm. So what I'm curious is to see if they're going to actually broadcast all of it. Hmm. If there's people that don't want certain things released, are they going to get a hold of ABC or already a hold of ABC? Will it be a big fight or not? Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, that's the Daily Mail. Well, you got some emails for us? Got some emails. Emails. We've got emails. Lots and lots of emails. Okay, this is Brother Micah. Oh, yeah, Brother Mike. Okay. Micah. Yeah, out in Los Angeles, right? Mm, uh, we'll see. Um... This is uh, about Elijah Friedman. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're still catching up. This is early May email, so give us. We're like the patent office. They get a few years behind in applications. Okay. Yeah. Dear Dr. Future and Tom, I'm in the middle of listening to your interview with Elijah Friedman. While I was very impressed with his composure of intellect, his views in terms of politics and world affairs seem to be in stark contrast to most of the young Christians that are part of Revelations Radio Network. Well, that's true. At times, it was actually harder for me to listen to him than it was to the Brazilian tea kid. Uh, I think he's talking about the ayahuasca yeah. fellow. Uh, yeah, I can't remember his name or how it was spelled ayahuasca, which is bad because I live in Brazil and I'm about to marry a Brazilian. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was interesting to hear him when he talked about America. It was almost like his composure changed and to be quite a bit more prideful. It's sad to see. Similar to the ayahuasca kid... Your subtle comments to get him to question some of his preconceived notions were very admirable, but seemed, unfortunately, to fall on deaf ears. Yeah, I think you're right, Micah. Mm -hmm. I guess it just goes to show that in order to be successful in the Christian media, you have to side with the Republic Christians. I groaned when he said that the reason we shouldn't support Ron Paul was because he couldn't get elected. I guess I've just been spoiled by all the great self-critiquing and little hosts and guests that are generally on Revelations Radio Network. Hopefully a few of the ideas you brought up to him will cause him to question some of his preconceived ideas in some of the political topics. Obviously, he's still a young guy, and hopefully he'll keep his mind open. I've never written to you guys before, but I'm a long-time Futurian. I've listened to every episode since Tom came on, and the one with the old sleepy co-host. I take that to mean Emmett. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love that sleepy co-host. I absolutely love your analysis, and I get excited every time I see a new episode being downloaded by my iTunes. You guys really are doing great work in helping Christians like me stay educated up to date on current events. Hope I get to meet you guys at the conference at a conference one day, Micah. Yeah. Well, he needs to hold one in Brazil so we could go. Yeah. Well, he's not in Brazil anymore. Okay. All right. Well, he goes. Here's a follow up with him. Um. He says. Uh, uh, Actually, he he mentions, he says, later in that episode with Elijah, Tom mentioned me, which made me a little giddy. He says, I'm at the cartoonist living in Brazil. Mm -hmm. Actually, I just arrived back at the States today. Mm -hmm. See, you're together there. Mm -hmm. And I'm interviewing for a storyboard job in L.A., so I may be repatriating. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, I'll have Jesusa on my license plate. Sweet. Woohoo! You know, I was at the when I was at the Branson conference. Yeah. I was eating lunch with some guys, and uh, one of them started going, "Heresy Hunter, Heresy Hunter, yeah, yeah." And then I started laughing, and the other guy, the other guy started going, "Well, Jesus has a way of life." And I 
was like, oh my gosh. We've created monsters. You have. Created something. In all seriousness, I actually felt like I was a bit overly negative in my previous email. Sometimes it's hardest to hear opinions which you used to believe and now realize are false. But that's true. I know I feel the same way. Yeah. I was definitely a lot more deceived than Elijah at one point. And it wasn't just when I was only 17. It was like when I was 25. Yeah, me too. So maybe I was a little too hard on him. I guess it's just discouraging when you see someone who's obviously so intelligent and preternaturally poised that he doesn't quite see the big picture. He hasn't yet received his honorary doctorate in conspiratronics from the esteemed Dr. Future and Tom as I have. We're all on a road to becoming less deceived, I hope. Yeah, me too. I hope we're on that road. And I'm sure that your interview with Elijah was something of a plant a seed in his mind that will hopefully open his eyes to some of the lesser-known topics amongst the evangelical Christian world. But, by the way, if you guys ever have any need of illustrations, okay, he says uh, he wants to help us for that. So. Sweet. You guys are my prayers daily. Well, thank you, Brother Micah. Thank you. And you've been staying in contact with Brother Micah. Yep. All right. We were we we had scheduled to pray for some people in the persecuted church, actually, this weekend. But uh, uh, just some bus schedules and other things uh, didn't quite. Couldn't. Yeah. Didn't couldn't think of anything better to do than that. Yeah. Persecuted Christians. Um, okay, this is from um, Sister Louise. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's a few few little things here Louise says. Mm-hmm. She says, I want to thank you for reading my letter on your program. That was such a treat. I let my kids hear it and even had my mom listen. I got her an MP3 player for Christmas, and she's solely getting into the pro- some of the programs. As for what's going on in my life, you can say I'm keeping myself busy. I'm currently working three part-time jobs. One is an office manager during the day. I'm grateful that my office is across the street from my kids' school, and I get to work around their schedule. I'm also helping a new store owner get his business off the ground for a few hours, a few nights a week, mm-hmm. and I get to take my kids with me most of the time. When needed, I substitute for aftercare at my kids' school and then get their homework done while I take care of them and the other kids. I'm also taking one class at a time at the local college, trying to get a degree in accounting, and all classes are online. Oh, and I also volunteer as the treasurer of my homeowners association. In this economy, I feel blessed to have any job at all. And everything is within three miles of my house, so the high gas prices aren't hurting me too much. Mm. Well, one thing I think Louise needs to do is really get off the couch and get more yeah, active. She needs to get in there. Not get rid of that sluggardness that she mm-hmm. has going on. Um, and uh, um, she actually helped out our ministry, by the way. Person working three jobs and wanted to give something to help out what we were doing. You know what's funny? She didn't do that to be mentioned, but I just want to mention, and that's not a guilt trip on our listeners because I don't expect any of anybody. Yeah. But um, I just want to tell other people to be encouraged that there's somebody out there who's not complaining, but they're going out there and trying to find something they can do to contribute. Mm-hmm. When they could easily say, "Look, I got my hands full so much," you know. Mm-hmm. What were you gonna say? I was just gonna say it seems like that's oftentimes. The way that I, you know, and maybe just because I'm in a different income class than most people. Uh, but higher, you mean? Lower. Oh, lower. Yeah, okay. I mean, maybe higher if you took, like, you know, the Albanian goat farmers and yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah, you, you were thinking those Somalian troops like, had it good. Yeah, like right? like sand sandwiches out in the middle of nowhere yeah, or something for yeah. to eat. But, um, no, uh, it just seems like it's always the people who are, like, a little on the edge somehow can come up with the money to, yeah. you know. Yeah. I, got, I got a friend of mine who doesn't make more than 25000 a year. Mm-hmm. You know how much money he gives away? He gives away almost 20% of his income 
to to um, uh, like worthy causes and stuff. Twenty percent. Most Christians I know do not don't think any way, particularly if they're married, you know, yep. spouses. Mm-hmm. Don't think there's any way possible you could live on that. Maybe even half that they don't. Th- I'm twice what I mean. Well, I guess the obvious question is, if you if if you came into work and they said we're just giving you a ten percent pay cut, would you die? You know, I mean, me and you don't count because we don't have jobs. You'd but. figure out a way to do it. <laughs> you'd figure out a way, wouldn't yeah. you? You'd figure out a way, and you'd, you'd go on. Yeah. But when Jesus asked us to do it. We put our foot down. Yeah, and I'm not saying that anybody has to tithe or anything. It's just I'm just trying to put it in perspective. Yeah. You know, the yeah. other side of that is Christians. I, I heard a I heard something recently that if every Christian gave 10 percent, there would be no more hungry hunger, and there probably the would be enough. Yeah, probably would be enough to do uh, statistically healthcare. Yeah, healthcare for everybody too. 10 mm-hmm. percent. Yep. We can't give up our 10 percent. Well, mm-hmm. some people can. Like you say, the people who are living on very little are the ones who end up doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a follow-up because I, I told her, you know, please don't. I mean, you've got these immediate needs with your family and extended mm-hmm. family to take care of. Please don't yeah. think about taking care of her ministry. But her, her words are really enlightening here. She says, thank you for your kind words. She says, however, I don't want you to feel guilty or worry about my financial needs. I don't. I, I don't. Before I started tithing, I was always struggling to meet the bills. The idea of giving away... What I had, very little of, was not logical to me. Then my mom and stepdad told me that I was cheating God by not tithing. They told me to give where I get fed. It finally made sense to me. I started to tithe and no longer have to struggle to meet my bills. The closer I am to God, the more he seems to provide all my needs. You know, it sort of works like that. It's totally yeah. wild. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's just scary at first until you see it happens. Mm-hmm. I usually have the chance to listen to your program along with a few other Christian programs while I'm working. I really love your program. It keeps me informed, entertained, and fed. This is why I take great pleasure in giving some of my tithes to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for my stepfather, I have seen so many miracles come up from his works, from physical healings to transform lives, that wow. I often think that I should write a book about him. I think you should, too. Uh says he's been on mission trips all around the world, even almost got arrested for trying to bring Bibles into China. He's a very act had a very active prison ministry, going several times a week, uh saying I'm off to jail. He heads to the he heads the neighborhood evangelistic team, net team that goes out to the poorest neighborhoods every Saturday to spread the word. Mm-hmm. Um He probably heard our last few weeks of shows and said, Man, those people are so lazy, is that yeah, all they're doing? What a bunch of pansies. Yeah. He tried to save he tries to save every soul he encounters, even gang members and drug dealers. He never has any fear, and nobody has ever tried to hurt him. I believe because he always has a team of angels around him. I have never seen a person with so much humble love for all people and for Christ. Mm-hmm. He always rightly gives all credit to the glory of God. He is a real he is the best blessing God has ever given to me and my family. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, my mom had been divorced for eight years when she said to God that he promised to provide for his faithful. She had been faithful, and she wanted a Christ-centered man. Later that day, she was on her way to the store when she got off at the wrong exit. She decided to go to another store because it was where she ended up after her, quote, mistake. Mm-hmm. That is where she met Ray. He asked her to help him by checking on his teenage daughter that was in the changing room for a long time. When she told him she was fine, I was fine with his daughter, he asked her for her phone number. 
Normally, she wouldn't give a strange man her number, but for some reason, she felt it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. As she was walking out of the store, she heard an audible voice say, This is the man you've been praying for. When she came home, she told me that she met the man she was going to marry. That was so unlike my mom, yet I believed her. Mm. They were married for three months. La- they were married three months later. It was almost 27 years ago. Wow. My mom went from a very abusive relationship to years alone and then to a relationship where she is adored more every day. Ray treats her better than gold, and he loves me and my kids, treating us better with more love than my father or my kid's father ever could. About once a week, I meet him for breakfast at the local fast food place after I drop off my kids at school and before mm-hmm. I go to work. And he takes my twins out with his net team every Saturday that he doesn't plan to go into the worst neighborhoods. Every Sunday we go to church, then brunch, then he and Mom take the kids out for a fun day. Sometimes he only takes one child uh, out for something special, uh, but we all adore him. And he has taught my kids to love God and to love one another by example. Again, he's the best blessing God ever gave to me and my family. Awesome. So, I'm going to mention his name. I don't think she, she minds. Raymond. Yeah. So how about we just declare this Raymond Day? Sweet. We want to have a You're hero. To this now, say a little prayer for Raymond and a, you know, a little praise for Raymond. Yeah, and God to do something special. Let let God treat Raymond today. Yeah, because Raymond's been treating everybody else in his life. A big a big spiritual cupcake. And he he Raymond came to the rescue of a woman who was faithful to the Lord and, mm-hmm. and had a rough deal in life. Mm-hmm. And Jesus used Raymond to do good things. He's helping out people in the inner city. Sweet. He's sharing the gospel. He's doing all the right stuff. He's still ministering to his family. Mm-hmm. And you know, folks out there, and I'll speak this particularly to the men out there, there are a lot of women out there that got a raw deal with a husband mm-hmm. or with family or life deal. And you could be a hero by becoming a wonderful Christian husband or something like that to people like that. They've got kids they're trying to raise. And that's as important as... It's probably almost as important as being a sports star, I would say. Mm, not as lucrative. But not as not as important as being like a rock star or something. Well, I know. But eternally, it would be uh, something sort of useful. Yeah. Um, sort this, of. <laughs> this, is brother, this is Brother Doug, okay? Brother Doug says, appreciate your ministry. He says, Dr. Future and Tom, I'm disappointed when you can't think of a nickname Bionic. That's rare, but it happens. It does happen. She says, I have three thoughts I'd like to share with you. Number one, I've been a Christian since I was a teenager, but this year God has revealed to me that when I walked away from his calling in my life about 15 years ago, this year he's brought me back, and I'm trying to discover what he'd have me to do. During this Sweet. Re- yeah. Right on, man. I know. Praise, praise the God. Lord. Um, during this rediscovery phase of my life, while researching some of Dr. Heiser's writings on the Divine Council... I know you're not interested in that, but ooh, ooh, I, I ooh. came to your Tell podcast, okay? Mm-hmm. So, Heiser and Divine Counsel, but here, that's cool. Ooh. I've been truly blessed as I try to listen as many as possible. I have 15 years of work to get uh, to get caught up on. Mm-hmm. About a year ago, I looked at myself as a I looked at myself as a patriotic conservative, anti-Obama American who's also a Christian, in favor of America's wars and proud of America's might and morality. Yay! Typical Christian. Yeah. Oh, sure, there was slavery and the slaughter of Indians, but America was founded as a Christian nation, right? And yes, yes, there are the million American abortions every year and legal protections of pornography, but it still was right, right? And we only killed about 1.6 million Iraqis, but liberated them from Saddam Hussein as punishment for 911, and that all made it sense, right? America the just. 
quietly God began dealing with my heart and explaining what it meant to be an ambassador in America and revealing to me Jesus' heart for the poor. I started calling myself a Christian in America, but a Christian America, uh, rather than a Christian America. About three months ago, I gave a presentation to our church's youth group on what it means to be an ambassador to America. I think of Paul. He was a Roman. I know. To a church youth group. Get them straightened out early. Mm -hmm. He was a Roman and had the benefits of being a Roman and used those benefits for Jesus. But he didn't celebrate being a Roman. His letters weren't laced with patriotic homages or celebrations of the conquest of Rome, unlike American Christians. And I reckon the church in Jerusalem didn't have a Roman flag behind the pulpit. What do you think, Tom? You think they had a Roman standard sure they behind did. the pulpit? Yeah, of course not. Then they think they had like Fourth of July ceremonies or like mm-hmm. when the, the latest Caesar marched. About <laughs> Caesar march. I, I discovered your podcast about a month ago, and I have to say at this stage, I have no illusions about the U.S. being a Christian nation, and have transferred my loyalty to Jesus fully. Boom. Well, I'm, you know, I'm pretty scared about that. If He's you, pretty, what are you doing, trusting in Jesus more in America? This brother's pretty intense now. Yeah, yeah, that'll, that'll get out. you hurt in most churches. Run for the hills. I'll exercise whatever rights the state dangerous. allows me to have for Jesus, but I won't be terribly shocked or outraged when persecution begins. For the last two years, uh, he says I've helped plant a vineyard church in a nearby rural town, which has quickly grown to 400 people, and I currently serve as a volunteer youth pastor. Well, Brother Doug, you keep doing your thing, man. You got your head right on that. And you keep sharing with everybody, young people, whoever else, until they tell you to shut up. And mm-hmm. give us some advice, too, because we need to hear word from other brothers and sisters, too. And we're searching for answers, too. Mm-hmm. Can I share a little bit with, with, with Brett here? Okay. That'd be all right. And I think this may be our last, this will be our last one for the day. Okay. okay. This is a subject, Feedbacks and More Ultraman, from Uh Brett. Okay. Hey, Doc and Tom False Flag Bionic. Boom. It was the other guy. You know, (laughs) they always have better middle names than you do a lot of times. I know, because they think about it. I have to come up with it. You know, you could think about it on the way to the studio. Oh, so I'm going to sit around, like like maybe write some copy or something? Like on your way to the studio, I'd give you something to think about rather than... Listening to your busy gangster rap, you know, coming yeah. over here. You know, you're, what do you listen to? Uh, is it Mariah Carey you listen to come on over here? Or? I've actually, for the last week, I've actually had like a like a thing where I don't listen to anything on the radio. Really? Yeah. Okay. Sort of a, like, uh, you know, like a, you know, enforcing solitude. Yeah. You know, All like right. a minor way. Okay, Brett says, uh, hey, just some quick things again. So I've been loving the recent shows the last few weeks. I enjoyed the Star Wars references about Palpatine, etc. Mm-hmm. It's really creepy how close the new Star Wars movies parallel what's going on in America. Once you get into Attack of the Clones, The Clone Wars, and Revenge of the Sith, things are really get bad. Mm-hmm. The Clone Wars are really a lot like the war on terror, Afghan, and Iraq, and whatever the villain du jour is. Revenge of the Sith reminds me of about the Black Awakening. If you haven't seen it, I won't spoil it. Yes, there are endless parallels. I could go on forever. There are other fictional parallels, too. You know, Frank Lordy had a video he was going to do on how the war on terror overlapped with G.I. Joe. In that cartoon, they had Cobra Commander threatening the world and holding it hostage every week, and in the same way Ben Lund used to serve that purpose. 
Of course, now they've got to find a new Cobra commander. See if you can get Frank for an interview. I know Chris White uh, should, but he says, I know Frank's retired, but he has good stuff. I'd love to hear him again. Mm-hmm. Frank, I hope you're listening out there somewhere. Yeah, we our brother. We love you. I enjoyed the Millennial Pundit episode, but I disagreed with him a lot. Um, he he uh, has that youthful idealism and is definitely patriotic. I, too, once thought like him around that age, especially after 911 and those first few years after. I thought about, yeah, we got to go get those bad guys. But as things progress and I learn more and listen to you guys, I saw that was not what Jesus would want. Also enjoying Tom's Gladio stuff. Reminds me a lot of the economic hitman books. I'm going to do a, I think I'm going to have to do a website on it. I think Gladio? Yeah. Yeah. Or just state, call it state-sponsored terrorism. Why don't you do a song about Gladio? Because it would take like Gladio. four hours. It has oh, just to, a song. Well, yeah, but like to a even, theme include, song. even include 1% of it would be like... No, I'm not saying give like a narrative like the ballad of Gladio. I mean, just something, a little intro that you hear when you go to the website. It would sound like, uh, it would sound like that I've been everywhere... I've blown things up in Denmark, Sweden, <laughs> Italy, Belgium, <laughs> Netherlands, England, Germany. I've killed everywhere, man. I've killed everywhere. Blew some stuff up in the air, man. I've <laughs> everywhere, man. Oh, only our Gladiators show here. Gladiators don't give a care, man. I've blown nine things up everywhere. I've been to Yemen, Syria, blah, blah, blah. No, no, they didn't do any stuff in yeah, there. Yeah, just in Europe. Yep. Fair Island hadn't come in there, has it? Mm-hmm, not yeah. to my knowledge. Here's the important part of the email. As promised, here's my blog about Ultraman. First, thank you so much for letting me use that quote. Uh, please let me know if you disapprove. He says, I hope it can reach those in Japan and it will bear fruit. Please, uh, please pray for it to reach those who need it in Japan and the message will be effective. Uh, by the way, he has a cool blog uh, name. It says, Don't Ask That in Church.blogspot.com. I think I've been there before. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody should check that out. Don't Ask That in Church.blogspot.com. If you go to the 2011 05 uh, month, it has Love Letter to Japan, God Loves Japan. Uh, I'll keep you posted. And, and Nate, if you're listening there, maybe you could check that out and spread it, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be doing a follow up for those in Japan. They have another parallel myth called Earthbound, or Mother 2 in Japan. It's a video game, my absolute favorite, where a kid battles UFOs, robots, weird animals, and cranky old ladies to save the world from an e- evil alien menace. You know, I could believe that in a Japanese drama. Uh, this alien causes all kind of trouble, like weird religious cults, crazy people, and animals and zombies. Get this. In the end, the only way to defeat the alien is to pray. It's that game that led me to Dr. Heiser's work. Isn't that amazing? That's far That up. game will lead you to Dr. Heiser. Mm-hmm. Googling praying stops aliens or Christian view of aliens. Hmm. Mm. Isn't that interesting? And his work led me to you. You you need to let Dr. Heiser know how you found him that way if you if you could. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. He says, it's inter- an interesting aside, and I think I'll write about it. I'll send you a link when it's up. If If your friend at church needs more parallel myths, you can send him that. God really has us travel down some weird roads, huh? Yeah, I think that's a good way to close our show. Uh, although we re- really should, before we forget, bring in Merv to tell our listeners how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E 
at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay. I think that'll do us good for this week since we had a marathon last week. What do you say? I thought that was awesome, man. I enjoy this show. Any uh, Anything you want to lay on us, uh, on your heart? Oh, I'm just, uh, you know, things are... Things are going haywire, and the Lord is still on the throne. And um, hanging out with Brother Joel this weekend was good. He actually just sent us an email about 20 minutes ago. Yeah. Did and he say quit talking about him? Yeah. Said, you guys like, are leave me weird. alone. Yeah. I tried to go to this coffee shop, and you guys were there. And yeah. So yeah here's the restraining the, order. Yeah. Keep you away from us. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna get him here. It's, we're gonna we're gonna pray that disaster befalls him until he and his wife move here. And that goes for all our Futurians. We would like to uh, get that compound going here in the greater Nashville area. And uh, if not, what we'd like to do is to find more people like Brother Matt. We prayed for at the beginning of the show to get people finding each other in your local communities. And uh, remember our prayer. If you're in the greater Springfield area, please email us, drfuture, drfuture at futureway.com. Let us know if you would like to get with Matt. For mutual fellowship and time to serve the Lord and do mm-hmm. futurian yeah. kind of things, including if, serving. Even yeah, if there's other people who are kind of having that thing, I mean, you know, I hate to sound like matchmakers, but you know, maybe we could find some other futurians that live in the same state or like we want to get involved, but we just don't know how. Yeah, you know, that'd yeah. be cool, man. Yeah, let's all go feed the homeless. Mm-hmm. Let's all go to go to old folks' homes and talk to people. Yeah, you know. Yeah, especially widows. Right. Or anybody. Anybody, anybody that just doesn't have anybody to talk to. Mm-hmm. You know, like some of these fellows I mentioned who are who are uh, immobilized. They can't get out. They're stuck in institutional living. Mm-hmm. And they could like to have somebody to talk to about intelligent things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wish I could talk about intelligent things, but I know a lot of our Futurians could. So, um, you know, a blessing awaits you around the corner. Any last words, Tom, before we sign off? None. Okay. Zero. Zip, zilch. Futurians, we love you so much. Thank you for taking time to hear our ramblings and our long-winded discourse. We love you so much. We appreciate your emails to uh, encourage us. Uh, when you send uh, content, uh, I'll just say this in closing. If you say, watch this, you know, and it's sometimes really long, if you can summarize for me sort of what it is, I'm really under the gun on my emails right now mm-hmm. uh, and trying to keep up with everything, and I need to be writing this uh, Holy War thing I'm working on. So if you all can work with me, um, because I care about everybody there and love you and, and want to respond to you. Mm-hmm. But minister to each other. That's the main thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, get together in groups wherever you are. Find a couple other people like yourself and challenge each of you to come closer to the image of Christ. Word. We'll leave it on that until next week. Sweet. And until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake.